This is the Epic Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. My name is Eric Knopf, and I'm so excited to have you listening with us today. Epic Life is a faith community that empowers people like you to grow, to create, to give, and to lead so that you can impact the world for Christ. You can learn all about us at epiclife.org. If you've been around us, you know that we believe that people are called to create, that it's actually inside our kingdom DNA, and it's a mandate for us to bring forth ideas and to create businesses, projects, and ideas that impact people and impact the world. In this episode, we take a deeper conversation into entrepreneurship and into a story from a good friend of mine. His name is Dr. Tom Walters, and he has one of the most amazing stories of jumping into entrepreneurship, then failing, and then changing his idea and crushing it. He started a physical therapy clinic in Santa Barbara, dumped hundreds of thousands of dollars into it only to see it fail. And then he started posting videos of physical therapy exercises on his Instagram account, and now has almost 200,000 followers. And he started this just a year and a half ago. He realized that he can either help a handful of people every day at a clinic or 20,000 people a day through Instagram. Plus, I ask him his tips and strategies for developing a successful social media account. That alone makes this episode worth listening to. But what I love about this story is how you can have the right idea, but have the wrong implementation. This is an encouragement to everyone who's working on an idea that their passion might be the right passion, but the implementation might need a change in order to succeed. I really hope you enjoy the story. Let's go. All right. I'm here with my good friend, Tom Walters. How's it going? What's up, man? Good to be here. Yeah. Good to be hanging out. This view is amazing. We're up here in Tahoe looking at the lake. Uh, if you have been a part of Epic Life, you know that we have this entrepreneurial flair and this view that entrepreneurship is this actual kingdom force, a mandate that every one of us has a call to create, that God co-creates with us. And last month at our service, we talked just specifically about that. And anyways, you... Those who know me know that I have this passion for entrepreneurship, and so Tom's an entrepreneur, and I want to share some of his story today uh, for one particular reason, that sometimes when God calls us to create with him, sometimes the the greatest expression needs to be explored, and sometimes that means that we try things that fail and then try things that work. And uh, so Tom has got a fascinating story, particularly on how the idea in First Pass didn't maybe work the right way, but the secondary way that you express it became this home run. So anyways, maybe we could start off in talking about, um, tell me a little about yourself, about kind of what you do, your role, and uh, just a little bit about your, about yeah. you. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on here. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. So basically, I mean, you know, I'm a physical therapist and uh, teach kinesiology at a, a small college and I have always been, had a passion for education, I think in and whatever sort of form that takes. But, you know, most recently as a physical therapist, it's been education related to helping people recover from pain and injury and to move better. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, so that's taken in a few different forms. Originally, it was just sort of the standard kind of clinic model that most people will be um, familiar with. And, and that, didn't quite go so well, and now it's yeah. done. <laughs> so, so tell, tell us a yeah. story. So yeah. y- you live in, in Santa Barbara. Yep, exactly. It's one of the most expensive real estate totally. ever. I'm sure office space is crazy. So you're a physical therapist, yep. and you're like, let me start a brick-and-mortar physical therapy location. Tell me more about that. Exactly. Yep. That was, I mean, so my first, you know, 
um, first try at this and, and it wasn't a standard, it actually was a pretty unique model. So, um, I started with another guy and we thought really this will just sort of, sort of like if we build it, they will come. And, uh, <laughs> I learned that that was not the best approach. So should have been a little more planning, but it was really actually unique. It wasn't a standard sort of physical therapy clinic. Um, it wasn't insurance based. It was a cash based model, but we used really sophisticated technology to measure how people move. So we had things like force plates where you could measure how hard people hit the ground. We had these different sensors we could put on people's joints and we could look at what joint angles were they going through while they were running or walking or jumping. And we EMG sensors where we could measure the, uh, how much electrical activity uh, are in your muscles when you're during, doing particular exercises. And so we had all this technology. So it was really a unique thing. And Santa Barbara, actually, there's, it's kind of a unique town that there's a lot of competition for movement science-based um, uh, research and um, more practical application. So it is kind of unique in that way, but it was sort of a unique clinic. So we really thought, oh, it'll just go, you know, people will find out about it naturally. And, and, and so we didn't really market, we didn't do anything. And that, that was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that was a so, problem. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the clinic went like that for, I mean, after when did you start it? Yeah. That, so that started, uh, that started January of 2013. And I ended up leaving and basically selling all of my equity on it because it was really just bleeding. It was, we weren't making really anything to pay the lease each month. And like you, you said earlier, I mean, Santa Barbara, um, you know, rental rates so are cheap. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so after three so years that, yeah, I was just like, I got to get out of this. I got to stop the bleeding. <laughs> yeah. I kept saying to my wife, I got to stop the bleeding. So you're a physical therapist. Yep. You're pursuing your doctorate in the subject. You're teaching at a college. You want to provide some clinical help for clients to develop a practice. You start a, a physical location. It's expensive. You buy all this equipment. Can I ask how much, what was kind of the investment to get, even pull this thing off to get it going? Yeah. So just the, just from a technology standpoint and we didn't buy, I mean, not everything we bought was like the total, I mean, so it was $180,000, but there are some camera systems for measuring human movement. that are 300,000 alone. Wow. So you can really go at different levels. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it was a lot, but it was, yeah, it was, I mean, good chunk for us to take out of savings. So, and you built it and they didn't come. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's what happened. That's what happened. Cause we literally were like, okay, we just need to see at the rates we were charging, you know, which weren't crazy rates for Santa Barbara. We're like, we just need to basically see one to two people a day to pay the lease. And we thought this will be easy. There's and how many people did you get? None, really. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe a couple of months, you know? So, <laughs> but, you know, we just, uh, so it was a, I mean, like you said, or, I mean, I, even though it was a failed endeavor, I guess in some ways you could say that, I don't always think of it as failure because I learned so much from it. And so it was a total growth for me. And uh, like you said earlier, it was, I've, it helped shape where I went from there. I, I knew the information was important. I just had to figure out how to apply it and uh, look at different forms. And, and so it's, that's kind of where I've evolved to now. So let's talk about those two things. Yeah. First off, why it failed. Do you, have you done like a postmortem on like, all right, these, these things, can you list out for those who um, you know, like to learn from failure? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is just nobody knew about it. You know, so we just, we didn't, we didn't, there was no, absolutely no marketing. I mean, we'd had a couple of articles in the local papers and things, but it, we really it legitimately was build it and they will come no Expectation. seriously yeah I seriously just thought you know the guy that I built it with had been around town for a while so I thought that just because of his relationships in town and those connections that that would just lead to business and so I mean honestly that was the the thing I just we just 
didn't talk about it. Um, I mean, we, we were talking about it to people we ran into, but we weren't really going out there and, um, you know, there just wasn't a real active approach to letting the whole, the majority of town just kind of know. And I think also the model we set up that the type of testing we were doing, we were, um, it was sort of this test treat train model. So we had this sophisticated testing that would lead into more, um, specific, um, training and treatment, but really it was kind of revolved around the testing. And if you had that testing done one time, you might not need it again forever, or maybe you'd never need it again, or maybe it would be a long time before you need it again. So it wasn't a great model in that sense. I think that we focused so much on this testing aspect because it didn't create this sort of, you know, uh, continuous flow of business. It was a really sophisticated solution to maybe a non-sophisticated need or at least the the largest need did not need such a sophisticated solution. Totally, totally. And you know what? I think people the other the other problem was that people didn't understand what we were doing. The people that like, <laughs> but look at all this machine. Totally. Yeah. Like, you just we just felt like you know because sometimes you get into something so deeply you think right you assume people know more than they know and so we just kind of felt like people would just get. <laughs> they would just sort of get it. And <laughs> that was not true at all. So the people that we did, <laughs> excuse me, the people that we did bring in and talk to, they still, it was like, yeah, we're doing this great stuff. And they still didn't really understand what was this place about. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, do people understand what you offer and do they have a need that they understand that you provide to help their need? Exactly. Because there could have been some people that understood, they could understand what we were measuring and how, what we were doing, but they couldn't understand how that would apply to them. Gotcha. So that's super helpful. Uh, anything else on, on why it failed? I think those are the biggest things. I think it was, it all boiled down to communication. Okay. Like it was communication. Now, lessons you learned. Is this a longer list? Oh, lessons <laughs> I learned. Yeah. Um, don't do that again. Suck <laughs> <laughs> less. Yeah, totally, exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No, I think for me, um, I, I think I learned a lot about myself uh, just as an entrepreneur. I, always feel very excited about um, sort of brainstorming new ideas, being innovative, thinking creatively. I learned in this process, though, that I'm not real great at, at the follow-through um, in that type of that type of business model, that kind of brick and mortar. I just, the aspects of running a business, that type of business, um, I really disliked. I actually found, realized at least that form, I felt like I really disliked business and I would never open anything like that again. That was the way I kind of went away feeling that like that. Tail between the legs. Totally. I was yeah. just like, I'm never going to do this again. This is horrible. This was a terrible like, idea. There was way too much to manage things. I, it seemed like this, it was really, I thought it was a great idea and really could have served people well, but we didn't communicate it well. And I had no interest in doing the other things that would have made it successful, like the marketing and all those things. I just, you just want to help people. I just want to help people. So I was just hoping they'd show up and I'd help them. Yeah. So along the way then you decide, I'm just going to like take a video and post it on my Instagram. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. And yeah. that was even hard. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. why, why was it hard? Yeah. Because you did it and didn't you're like, oh, this is a dumb idea. Yeah. I mean, I had been doing, I've always enjoyed social media. Uh, the conversations on social media have grown a lot uh, in my own field on social media. Just being able to converse with people around the world who know way more than you do on certain topics. I mean, really, I feel like. You could get a PhD on social media if you follow the right people and talk with them. Uh, so, yeah, in the beginning, you know, so I was having a lot of conversations uh, on social media, and then I decided to start 
running my own page, and now I'm on the fourth version of that, which now is very success, su- successful, and I've sort of figured out what I should be doing. But before that, yeah, I'd put up some things that were I thought maybe would be helpful to people, and then some things that were more personal about my... It was just sort of this chaotic sort of page that really had no central theme, and so I think it just wasn't... That meant it wasn't su- successful, and I felt like... And, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, I felt like I was, the page maybe was more about me. And so I, three previous times I'd just wake up and, and I've also tend to be sort of impulsive, but I'd sort of just wake up and delete the whole account. Pe- <laughs> delete the whole account. <laughs> <laughs> My friends would message me and be like, well, you deleted your account again? What? You're, you know, they literally thought I was crazy. So you, you would start posting videos of just like, here's how to increase range of motion in a shoulder. Exactly. And you post that and you're still Professor Westmont. Yep. You're pursuing your doctorate and you yep. post this little video yep. and people would watch it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, and then you delete it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't delete the video. I should delete the, the whole account. The whole account. Account. <laughs> the whole account. <laughs> so, yeah. No. What, so what happened was I, uh, I went in to teach one of my, my biomechanics class and, uh, I had just deleted the third, it was my third, I don't know if you maybe call it attempt. It wasn't really like an attempt. I was just doing it, you know? Uh, so I deleted it. A student came up to me after class and said, you had some exercises for a, a rotator cuff, a shoulder condition on there. And I, they were really helping my mom. Uh, what happened? I said, oh, I deleted the account. I just decided, you know, it just seemed like a waste of time. And it, so, but I left that conversation and I was like, wow, this really can have an impact. And I literally walked out of the classroom, walked over to our track there on campus and sat uh, in the, in the, bleachers there and restarted the account and I couldn't even get the same handle because I think I had started it and deleted it so many times Instagram wouldn't let me have it back. <laughs> so I got this other one which ended up being much better and um, sort of covered more of the science that, that I was looking at and just decided at that moment it just I think all those things the failed business before the conversations online the conversations with the student they all helped guide me and sort of figuring out where I should be going and what direction a very a very elementary idea of where I should be going. And then now a year and a half later, that's proven to be true. And um, Yeah, so tell us about kind of your following, your influence now, what you do, and yeah. kind of the results of it. Yeah, so the page now um, is called Rehab Science, and it's just really about providing people with daily you know, information related to movement science, movement dis- because really my specialty is in studying when movement goes wrong which the technical term is pathokinesiology. Kinesiology is the study of movement. So I study when movement is dysfunctional or pathological. So it's providing content that helps people move better, um, deal with pain. Pain is a really complex process and uh, is sort of, there's a lot of pain science out there and people specialize in that, but it takes a long time for research to actually reach practitioners. And so pain is approached in sort of these very, old ways, very, um, you know, we, we often say biomedical sort of ways there, um, people look at pain as very anatomical and biomechanical and they don't think about how complex the human is and how psychology and the ways that we think and our emotions and how those things can affect pain. So there's, there's topics on, you know, a lot of the posts on there about pain, different injuries, um, maybe an ACL tear or something like that. So the page really revolves around those things, movement science, how to move better and how to help, how to expedite. Um, recovery when you're dealing with pain and injury. And people love it. Yeah. How many like, followers do you have? Uh, 
as of this moment? Yeah, right now it's just uh, just clicked over 181,000, and so I started a year and a half ago, and it's just... Um, How many people a week are you getting? <clears throat> it, go, it grows by about 5,000 a week. Yeah, so it's crazy. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it ebbs and flows. It's, but yeah, it's right now it's in that, that about that range of growth. So it's, it clearly, it points out to me, I mean, this is, it's the same thing I was trying to do when we started the brick and mortar clinic. It would have been the same type of education. Right. But it just, in that form, um, for a lot of reasons, people weren't getting it. And so I use a lot of the same videos. I use, the, the testing we would have done in that clinic, I have videos from back then, biomechanics videos that show people do, doing different movements and now, you know, so I'm using a lot of those same things and posting them on this site and explaining them. But for some reason, I think it's just taken some time, right? It's sort of a trial and error process, but I, I think I've sort of figured out without being too technical, explaining things in a way that people can understand how this would actually apply to me. And I didn't understand that fully before. So it's the same idea, same passion, mm-hmm. but you're just expressing it. The vehicle's different now. Totally. From yeah. brick and mortar to instead of booking, let's say 20 appointments a day, I can now reach 20,000 people a day. Totally. It's so awesome. I mean, I feel so much, I mean, this is ever since I was a kid, I used to have uh, conversations with my mom. I remember when I was younger about, uh, I, I didn't really feel gratified having sort of one-on-one, helping people on a one-on-one basis and uh, teaching was sort of the next level of that. So that was, I really, I really enjoy teaching and you could have a larger impact, but now with social media, you can impact people all over the world and well, you're getting people all over the world. Like, tell me some of the people who are contacting you, reaching out. That you have professional athletes. So, what kind of people are reaching out to you for help? Yeah, it's crazy. It's such a spread, um, such a diverse uh, population of people that reach out. From yeah, like I said, professional athletes. I mean, just uh, sometimes sports I'm not even familiar with in other countries. Um, you know, so uh, UFC fighters. <laughs> like, I didn't uh, know that was legal. You yeah, can do yeah, that exactly. over there. <laughs> like, this is a sport. So, yeah, um, it's been really neat to meet, interesting to meet some of those people. And then just, uh, you know, the people that I really enjoy uh, conversing with and and um, trying to help are the ones that live in places, countries in the world where there isn't a lot in terms of rehab practitioners. There's no physical therapy. There's no chiropractic. There's no osteopaths. There's nothing like that. So they they literally send these messages of desperation of please help me. People send me their MRI images um, wow. through Instagram. It's uh, so and it's really difficult to respond to all those messages. So I try to you know now at this point there's enough posts that sometimes I can just send something and say hey just try these things and I don't have to type. But it's tough to respond to everyone, but. Yeah, it's um, all over the map, all different kinds of people, different age ranges. Um, most of them are in the kind of 26 to 34 age range. So most people that are contacting me are are a little bit younger and have more um, maybe sport-related type injuries and pain. And how's that for you? How does it feel to be able to help people all around the world oh, man. in these kind of microwaves? Oh, it's awesome. It is so cool. I had this lady uh, in the Middle East contact me who had a this story. I... I shared all the time, but it just was so powerful to me. She had, um, what we would call patellofemoral pain, basically pain around the kneecaps or behind the kneecap, which is a very, it's actually one of the most common, uh, knee pain conditions. And she had scheduled, she, she was scheduled to have surgery for it in India. So she was going to fly to India and have surgery for this. And very few people in the U S have surgery for this type of condition. So I sent her just a few uh, exercises and movements she could work on that are research-based and 
have been shown to help this condition. And she sent me a message a month later and said she had canceled canceled her surgery and her symptoms were gone. Crazy. So I was just like, I was blown away. I mean, she lived in a country, my geography is horrible, but I didn't even know where it was. <laughs> I literally had to go Google where this is where you live. So when she was, she had two kids in college, two sons in college. She was, she was a little bit older than I am. And um, so again, just different age brackets, different types of people. But that story to me was just like, wow, this really is is meaningful to keep doing. And I need to, you know, figure out how to provide more comprehensive education and programming for people beyond just social media. I love it. I love how we live in such a crazy age where with this thing in your pocket, totally, you can reach millions of people. It's amazing. For free. <laughs> for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's satellite dishes orbiting the earth connected these things in our pockets that we get to talk to people. It just, it, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we could just literally right now sit here on the deck and film a few exercises and post them up there and <laughs> well, I love how your wife makes cameos in your videos. Yeah, exactly. she, yeah she's a she, good model. She's more attractive. Yeah, the, the, she doesn't look like she's always excited to be part of the videos, too. But um, She's like, why don't you tell me to smile more? <laughs> <laughs> right. So obviously, people listening to this, they hear, oh my gosh, 180,000 followers, a global influence. Can you break down how that journey went? Like the things that you did that worked really well. How did you develop such momentum on that for Instagram? I mean, it's just, it's, it's unheard of. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so hard. I try to think about this um, because that growth, I haven't done anything, you know, you can do these sponsored things or um, you can promote. Yeah, exactly. It's just don't suck. It's all about being awesome. Just being awesome (laughs) is basically the answer. No, no, I don't know. It's, um, I know, I think in the beginning, really, I had some friends because I had spent a lot of time on social media networking. I I, I think it came back to a lot of relationships I had built because many of those people that I had met initially on Facebook were on Instagram. And so when I came over to Instagram, they there were some people that had some larger accounts that I just had closer relationships with, and they shared some of my stuff in the beginning. And so that was really powerful and sort of getting me going and building momentum. I think, though, probably the biggest things are um, sticking to the content, right? Just sticking to your whatever content you're putting out, really consistently putting out high quality content every day and not veering from that. Because I see people who once in a while share really great content, but then the rest of their, they have just, it's the rest of their pages infiltrated with posts that don't revolve around that. And people make really quick snap judgments. I think when they look at social media, they look really quickly at your handle, your name, your credentials. And then does your page actually reflect, you know, is there something that's going to reason that exists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so, and if it's, if it's, uh, you know, infiltrated with all, the, all these other things that don't stick to your message, then I think, at least for me, I know I quickly sort of, I mean, a couple of seconds make a judgment on whether or not I would want to follow somebody at this point. So, so don't suck. Yeah. Don't R- suck. Rule number one, be awesome. <laughs> yeah, don't suck. Number two, be consistent. Be consistent. is huge. Three, it sounds like stay on mission. Yep. So what do you want to share and yep. stay on that, that topic? Yep. Uh, high quality. High quality. Yep. Yep. If you have different people who have maybe bigger audiences, you know, maybe getting a shout out or mention from them. Totally. And I think that's a big thing, like reaching out to people in a genuine way, you know, because sometimes people send things and then they just, you know, ridiculous type of, you know, the messages to try and get you to follow, follow them back or whatever to engage with their content. I think, but if you reach out to someone and just genuinely look to connect with people, that can be really powerful, a genuine sort of looking to connect with someone. So your your organic growth right now, five thousand people a week. Uh-huh. Where on earth 
Is that coming from? Yeah. I, I have know. no idea. Is it just success breeds success? I think so. I, th- I don't, it just seems like it just, I, I mean, I don't understand all the algorithms and how all this works. <laughs> There's but, hope for the rest yeah, of us. <laughs> totally. Like I have no idea what's happening. Um, I mean, I still, uh, you know, I think it is sort of almost not ex- exponential, but I mean, I think once it's building and you have that momentum and that you're consistently putting out quality information that's helping and feeling it's, it's feeling a, a need for people because I sort of stumbled on this. I didn't realize, like, obviously I know people have pain and injuries, but I didn't realize there was such a desire for people to learn more about this information. And I think really a lot of people who are looking to be able to do things themselves and not have to go have somebody work on them. Right. You know, cause that, right. It costs a lot of money and right. This is all free. So why right. not try doing something yourself? Uh, so I think a lot of people are motivated to try and we see so much on the benefits of exercise and all these things all over now. So I think people are pretty excited about just being able to try some things themselves, but yeah, I think the momentum still kind of grows now because, uh, as you, you're, you get bigger, then bigger people start to notice you. And then the same things kind of happen. People who I think about in this last few weeks, people that I didn't know at all, who have bigger accounts than me now are starting to be interested in me just simply because of the account growing. So then they start sharing things and it, so it just, it's sort of just like this exponential, you know, it's a lot of social climbing, which sort of feels superficial right at times and things. But if it's helping get out positive information, then I'm willing to accept that. Now tell me how you, you kind of inferred this a little bit before that you kind of get over yourself to this, like talk about, we live in an age where, it's so, so much the social media is like, look at me totally, and your yeah. videos, it's you yeah. in the center stage <laughs> yeah. and you yeah. deleted your account a couple of times because you just didn't like the whole, it's about me. Yep. Can you kind of elaborate or talk about that kind of difficulty within social media yeah. about, you don't want to be this narcissistic totally. D bag, totally. <laughs> you know? totally. exactly but I want to help for. people. Yes, so. Exactly. Yeah. My, the three previous accounts were definitely a mix of this is probably kind of helpful. And then here's a D bag post, oh, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, it, um, those, those previous, I think what would happen was I would, you know, I would post some things that, uh, related to what the message of the page was supposed to be about. And then I would post some things like, to try and prove it just because I thought it was cool. I was like, well, I'm still somewhat, I'm 36 now. I, I mean, I'm getting older, but I can still do some athletic things from when I was younger. So I'd put up some me jumping, doing some box jumps in the gym that I thought were cool. Or I'd do a backhand spring out on the the grass or something, you know, just that I would think, oh, this is cool. Like people will be into this and they weren't they, like, <laughs> they were not into that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I really, I kind of, I think I, I would wake, I would have some of those posts, you know, and those accounts would maybe go on for a couple of months where I'd have some posts like that. And it was sort of focused on me and, uh, the, the message of the, what the page was supposed to be about was almost like a side thing. And I just had it all, I had it flipped around wrong. Yeah. Well, it's interesting with, you know, you, you point out this kind of internal struggle that people who don't want to be this self-glorifying account on social media, mm-hmm. but then you have a genuine need to help people mm-hmm. and you need to instruct people in the video and you want the video to be good. Yep. And there's some 
conflict there that you can't actually, you kind of have to be in your own video and it kind of has to be good. It has to be helpful totally. as a means to even help other people. Yeah. 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 It is a tricky, it can be a, a tricky line to walk. And I have to admit, I mean, to be honest, I still do some of that stuff from the past, but I put it like in my story or something where it's not an actual post that so disappears in 24 hours. <laughs> but I, you know, cause you sort of want people now I sort of feel like because the account has grown, it, my the picture for my account is a picture of me and mm -hmm. it's my name on it, but people still think I'm a group of people. They don't think that I'm one person, you know? Sure. So that's been a tricky thing is trying to make people really feel like this is, I want people to feel like it's a personal conversation they're having with me when I answer questions in the comments that it's actually me. It's not a, you know, I just, so not a social media manager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in the story I have put up some things like, because I think because of the nature of my page, looking at musculoskeletal problems, I do think it's helpful for people to know that I actually sort of practice what I preach and exercise and do things like that. So sometimes in my story, I will put up kind of things that don't really relate to the rehabilitation of particular conditions, but are me doing some fancy gymnastics trick or something like that just to get for hopefully to help people realize like I am a real person. Sure. And, uh, I, you know, try to take care of my body and from that physical standpoint. So, so what's next for rehab science? You've built this amazing platform of influence. You're helping tens of thousands of people every single month, every post. Yeah. It's so so cool. what, what's next? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is social media to me feels sort of like a tease. Uh, you know, I put up different posts on different conditions and they're, they just can't be comprehensive. So the next thing is to the, uh, build the website. So rehabscience.com and hopefully to launch that this summer and there'll be lots of different versions of it. But the beginning one, the thing I felt like the people who were really contacting me that, um, I felt like needed to be addressed first with the people in pain or having injuries. Those are usually the direct messages I get. A lot of the comments are more from other practitioners. So I really felt like the direct messages are where I needed to go because there were so many people, you know, literally messages just, I'm in horrible pain, please help me. Wow. And people just, that's yeah. literally what they say sometimes. So the first version I think will be just looking at the most common orthopedic conditions that I've seen as a PT now, um, in my years of practice and having people to come in and access a program that has uh, basically videos that show people how to carry out the most the exercises that most commonly, whether it's a mobility exercise, a strength exercise, maybe it's something like foam rolling, something like that. A lot of these things you see people doing in the gym. And so that are specific to that condition that we've, that I've seen things that I've seen that are helpful over the years. And so if you had something like tennis elbow, you could purchase maybe for 10 or 15 bucks, a tennis elbow program and you could run through and then maybe have another option where, um, do sort of like a virtual online consultation with me too. But initially the first version will just be programs sort of like fix yourself, you know, sure. purchase a program that's not, that's relatively inexpensive, not nearly as expensive as going to see someone like I said, before, exercise is so powerful for these things, these types of conditions. So, most of the time people, if they just stick to doing things, they can get better. So yeah, that's the first and hopefully over time to grow it. I mean, I really, rehabilitation science is a major area of study. And, uh, so there's a big gap for this, I think on the internet. And so that would be the goal. I think for me long-term is to have it stick to being an education website that provides a lot of free information, um, about the specifics of how you would actually rehab from different conditions, you know, whereas other sites you look up 
you know, we were talking about this earlier when you look up something, I've got Achilles tendonitis and you get WebMD or something that just says treatment, just as physical therapy. Well, it doesn't really tell you anything specific about <laughs> what your physical therapy should include. And actually, actually the exercises and movements and treatment are very, very specific. So that would be the, I think the long range goal for it. Wow. Super exciting. Thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, man. Thanks. How can people reach out to you? Yeah. So Especially if they have tennis elbow. Totally. Or they, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the easiest thing right now is, um, most of the time is just through Instagram through. So either, uh, and again, that's, you know, that handles rehab science and then to just do the direct message thing. And I try to respond as many as I can. And, um, you know, as the website gets going, obviously there'll be an email and associated with that. And then also the kind of virtual consultation or online consultation where people could directly talk to me. So I think those are the best methods at this point. So, yeah. Cool. I love your story. I love everything you're doing. Thanks, man. Super exciting. Do this. Thanks for talking. Yeah, it's great. Thanks again for listening to the Epic Life podcast. If you want to be the first to know when a next episode is available, we can text you a link to it. All you need to do is just text your name to the number 916-246-2468. And then after subscribing, reply with the word podcast. Again, you're going to text your name into this number, which is 916-246-2468. Do you see it kind of just skips there by two? So text your name there. And then after subscribing, reply with the word podcast. And then we'll text you as soon as one's available. If you happen to be in the Northern California region, We'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings where people from all over the area and the region come together for a night of food, friends, worship, teaching. It's so much fun. And so you can grab free tickets there for our upcoming gathering by going to epiclife.org tickets. And wherever you are in your faith journey, we just invite you to get connected with us, to grow, to create, to give, and to lead. We believe that you were made to change the world. And so you can learn more about what we are doing or what our community is doing at epiclife.org. We'll see you next time.